0: And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today?
1: Well, Lloyd, there has been a lot of recent legislation on data privacy, and I was reading this wonderful article called Here Comes a Wave of Data Privacy Litigation, and one of the authors, Darren Patrick, has just a wealth of information that he's going to share with us today, so I'm excited to tell you a little bit about him. Darren Patrick is an attorney at Bird Morella, a litigation boutique firm in Century City, California, And he specializes in civil litigation and white-collar criminal defense. And since he joined Bird Morella in 2000, Darren has prosecuted and defended a wide array of cases in the financial, entertainment, intellectual property, and retail sectors. He's the author of this article that I just told you about, which was in the Daily Journal, November 9th, 2020. And the Daily Journal is the legal newspaper for the whole state of California. Darren received his B.A. from Wesleyan University, and he holds a master's degree in philosophy, which is wonderful when we're talking about privacy and what does it mean. And and that's philosophy from the University of Paris-Sorbonne, so he must be able to speak a little bit of French, too, which is fun. And before receiving his J.D. from the University of California, Berkeley, Darren was an analyst at D.E. Shaw & Company, a global hedge fund headquartered in New York. And prior to joining Bird Morella in 2020, Darren was an associate attorney at the Los Angeles office of Melvany & Melviny Myers. So he's kind of been around from one coast to the other in Europe, and we're just excited that he is joining us. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Darren.
2: Great to be here, Mari.
1: Well, do you speak any French?
2: I do. I hope you won't test it on uh, me today, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I was fluent at one point, but it's been many years.
1: Oh, but I love it. You know, je ne peux pas le français très bien, but I speak Spanish fluently, so um, it's fun. It's such a beautiful language. If you ever want to woo somebody, all you have to do is say something in French. (laughs) It sounds wonderful. I should try it. Yes, yes. So, so there's so much going on in privacy in California for such a long time. We are the leader of privacy legislation. And the boy, what's what's come up recently with the um, California Consumer Privacy Act and Proposition Twenty Four? We got to tell our audience about that. So, first of all. For those people who haven't read about it or weren't on any of our uh, shows when we talked about it, kind of walk us through the California Consumer Privacy Act.
2: So the, the CCPA is the strictest data privacy law ever enacted in the United States. Uh, there's no com- comparable federal law uh, and no state that has ever attempted to pass such a law. Uh, it's projected to affect... Up to 400,000 California-based businesses, uh, resulting in compliance costs of more than 55 billion dollars over the next decade. That's according to the California Department of Justice. Mm. Uh, the law isn't just limited to California-based businesses. Any business that does uh, that operates in California with certain um, gross revenue. Uh, uh, margins, you know, you know, more than $25 million per year in gross revenue, uh, businesses that uh, buy, sell, or share personal information of 50,000 or more uh, consumers, or that derives 50% or more of its annual revenue from selling uh, personal information. So it's a, it's a lot of businesses that need to <clears throat> pay attention to what the laws are, um, or else, face suits that could uh, result in monetary fines and injunctive
3: relief. So
1: and I think the, what's what's really important, also, which you know you talk about, is that even if you are a company based outside of California in a different state, it if you have California consumers that are your customers, it applies to them too, right?
2: Absolutely. So the enforcement will come principally from the attorney general or under Prop 24, which will go into effect in 2023, a new enforcement agency. Those bodies can bring suits only on behalf of California residents, but to the extent those residents are affected by data collection and sharing uh, behaviors of businesses, say, headquartered or, or incorporated in Delaware even, um, there would be a potential liability there as well.
1: And, you know, it seems to me that when you have all these, you know, California is such a big state and it's very populous, it seems to me that it's probably going to affect the entire country, even if for for those, uh, com, com, excuse me, those companies that service other consumers in other states, it's probably going to affect them too, right, eventually? That's
2: absolutely right. And also, seen from a diff- different perspective, a lot of tech uh, businesses, as everyone knows, are based in California, most notably the Silicon Valley. Right. And to the extent that those businesses are required to comply with California law, they probably won't have wildly different practices with respect to people outside of California. Um, so it is going to have a big effect. On, on the businesses that are affected.
1: Yeah. So let's now talk about what happened just recently, the, uh, the passage of Proposition 24. And it's important for those people who are listening outside of, and they're, they're not California residents, that we have a proposition Uh, people can uh, create their own laws without the legislature at all. And so that's what we have here. And some other states don't allow propositions to be on the ballot. So that's something that, um, in this case, it really was tough on our legislature because they didn't have a chance to put any input, right?
2: Yeah, it's also worth noting that the original law, the CCPA, that was enacted in 2018, It went into effect uh, in January of this year uh, with a six-month waiting period, and the attorney general announced it was going to begin enforcement in July. That was also based on a ballot proposition back in 2018. And uh, it's probably worth going through a little bit what the law originally said, and then I'll get into how Proposition 24, which was just passed last November, uh, modifies and amends that law so the 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 critical piece about the new law is something called personal information. Um, we all intuitively understand what uh personal information is and how much of it we give to websites you know facebook amazon uh google right um You know, as a very rudimentary example, and many of your listeners, this will probably ring a bell, you know, I shopped for a bicycle online at a specialized shop. And then for six months afterward, I was seeing ads everywhere I looked on the Internet for that very bicycle. (laughs) Right. Things get more and more sensitive um, as you you get deeper into the Internet. I was uh, researching a, a possible medical condition online. And several months later, I was on Facebook and saw an ad in my, in my Facebook feed uh, for a medication to treat that condition. Mm. It seemed a bit on the nose, but I think many of us, and indeed, as a ballot proposition, this is really reflecting the voice of everyday citizens, they're a bit creeped out, or they're worried <clears throat> about what kinds of information uh, that they give to the Internet, seen generally, is being shared, bought, and sold by data brokers, advertisers, etc.
1: Um, and and it's not been transparent either. Uh, you know, you see things you go, how does how does they know to send me that? You know, it, it, you're right, it creeps people out.
2: It has been very opaque. And before the law was enacted, and we see a little bit more now, I think many of your listeners will see new pop-up notifications on certain websites that they see to, to comply with the, the rules. There have to be conspicuous um, uh, opt-out uh, notices on websites explaining what kinds of information are collected. That's part of what the law requires. And how to opt-out of having the information that you give uh, shared or, uh, or sold with third parties. So under the statute, the CCPA, personal information is very broadly defined. It's basically any information that identifies you or could reasonably be linked to a particular consumer or household. That means IP addresses, online identifiers, search terms that we type into Google for instance, Mm. browsing histories, uh, think cookies. Um, many, many in the tech industry are able to uh, track what you see on the internet, um, purchasing histories, what we buy online, purchasing tendencies, interactions with ads, location data. So Yelp, Google Maps. We all know that um, these these apps are, are are aware of of our location and precise right. geolocation. Uh, biometric information, audio and visual information—that's videos that we share on, say, Instagram, TikTok, etc. Right. Um, and what the law does is create new rights for consumers inside California. Consumers now have the right to know what personal information is being collected, and if they request, uh, if they request from uh, an online provider. The, the types of third parties that that business shares the information with and why. Right. Uh, probably most importantly, consumers now have the right to opt out of an online business selling their information, their personal information to a third party. So that could have serious consequences on the bottom line for many businesses who rely on targeting users by placing ads on the Internet designed for them to see, whether it's on a a generic uh, website or on Facebook. Um, There are special protections for minors. That's a a grave concern, including... uh, that's shared by the federal government. Uh, you know, videos or photographs of teenagers. Uh, there's been some concern with TikTok in that regard. Mm-hmm. For those uh, minors, they have to opt in to having their information shared. It's not an opt out; it's an opt in uh, regime. Right. Right. Uh, and uh, violations are, are are penalized rather strictly, up to twenty-five hundred dollars for a violation or $7,500 per intentional violation.
1: Right. For, for my audience, let's just be a little bit more clear about what opt-in is and opt-out is because, the, you know, this country, most of our privacy legislation was opt-out. You had to know what they were collecting and then you opt-out of doing it. You'd had to read privacy notices. Um, opt-in kind of clarify that's like giving permission before they do something
2: exactly so the regime in California now is if you do nothing the information can be that you give can be shared with a third party uh, so you have to act in order to, you have to make affirmative decisions uh, uh, in order to um, act out the new rights that you have. You, you would have to opt out. You have to click on the link that's supposed to be provided and say, please do not share my personal information.
1: Right. right.
2: The opposite of that, which is basically the European regime <laughs> under the GDPR, there information cannot be shared or transferred unless you give your unambiguous consent that's the baseline
3: anyway. Yeah.
2: and the story of the European law is a bit complex uh, but since 1995 the the, uh, the gold standard for um, data transfers has been uh, consent to the transfer affirmative consent meaning you opt in you're saying right. You can go ahead and sell my uh, sell my information that you collect. Um, that might just include clicking a box uh, on on a website, but nonetheless, if you have to click it, you have to give the permission. Right. Here, it's the inverse of that for the most
1: part. Right. Right. Let's talk a little bit about um, the difference between the CCPA and the, you know, the Proposition 24. Um, And, and, you know, you were talking before about, yeah, originally the CCPA was a proposition that was going to pass. And the legislature got so worried about that, that at the last minute they negotiated and and actually, it, it became law with some changes in it. And when you do have a law that is through legislation, then it can be changed more easily. Whereas if it's a proposition, the legislature has a gr- much greater time in changing it, right?
2: Right. That's right. And it seems clear that the original impetus behind the ballot propositions has gone through many layers of negotiation before it actually uh, is in black and white in the rule books. and that there are pressures from various industry groups to limit this or that component of the original proposition. Uh, One of the interesting features about the new law, so Proposition 24, it consists of amendments to the CCPA. One thing that jumps out for attorneys and businesses is that the attorney general is no longer the only body that can prosecute cases on behalf of citizens. There's also a new enforcement agency with concurrent jurisdiction with the attorney general. But at a certain point uh, after the law goes into effect in 2023, only the agency will, will be able to create regulations. So mm-hmm. I haven't noticed, mentioned this before, but there's also a whole body of regulations that describe in great detail what businesses should be doing in order to comply with the law. One very interesting feature about the about proposition twenty four as compared to the original uh, statute, is that the old statute, uh, the opt, uh, opt out rights had to do with a business selling your information. Uh-huh. And at the time, there were articles including in The Wall Street Journal, discussing how Facebook, for example, did not think that the law applied to them because they don't actually sell your personal information to anyone. Right. Um, so the new law applies to sharing personal information, not just selling personal mm-hmm. information. But there are still a number of question marks I and mean, Facebook is obviously the biggest example of a behemoth Silicon Valley firm that is principally devoted to collecting personal information and makes essentially all of its money through advertising. Right. Um, and there's there are going to be a lot of debates, possibly in court, um, about whether the actions that Facebook takes, the mechanisms that underlie the advertising uh, structures, are, fall within the law, including with Proposition 24 or not. Uh, it's been talked about in Wired magazine and other places that, uh, Facebook is is really a walled garden where very little data leaves Facebook and very little data comes into Facebook from third parties. The basic way that Facebook works is that there's a a product that Facebook manufactures called Pixel, and it's a piece of code that a website can can add to its. Uh, JavaScript that puts cookies on people's browsers to track what they do on a website. So, for example, if you go onto a website, you view a certain product, you put the product in the cart, shopping cart, but you don't buy it. The business really wants you to buy that product, and so they can ask Facebook to target Uh, consumers to complete the transaction by putting an ad on Facebook. Mm. But the information exchange between Facebook and those businesses doesn't necessarily uh, involve uh, personal information so that you can boil it down to, you know, John Smith was, was trying to buy a pair of shoes on this day or that day. Or, you know, Susan Q is a cat owner. It basically puts Facebook users into buckets, um, kind of loosely defined from based on metadata. And the businesses that try to target consumers don't actually know the, the identities of the targeted Facebook users uh, unless and until they click on the ad in Facebook. And then they leave Facebook and go to a new site. So right. the process starts all over again. Um, so that's a bit abstruse. Yeah. Um, it's not something that uh, many lawyers uh, are are going to understand. And um, I think most people at large <laughs> don't fully understand it. Facebook is not uh, completely transparent about this. So it would be interesting to see if expert testimony um, ever comes out where the public gets a very crisp and clear explanation of how data gets from point A to point B and why it is that I saw, for example, the ads on Facebook that I saw or the ads on, on other sites with the bicycle, the medication, et cetera.
1: Right. And so I, I'm going to be seeing more about wrinkles and getting rid of wrinkles than you are.
2: <laughs> That's very likely to be true. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And yeah, This stuff or, or hair color or something like that. You're not going to see the same ads that I'm going to see. But um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's going to be hard, especially because you said it. They aren't targeting me directly, but maybe people in my age group, um, my you know, my gender, right? So yeah,
2: that's right. So. When, when you uh, when a when a business wants to put an ad on Facebook, it can. There's there's something called retargeting, where they're specifically going after the person who put you know the the item in their shopping cart.
3: Right. Now,
2: in that scenario, the uh, the explanations that I that I have seen from certain industry experts say that well, there is there is a, a pseudonym assigned to you. That is shared, so they're uh-huh. not giving your actual, say, IP address or your name. Right. But they're they're basically saying, yes, this is who it was, without making it specifically identifiable to you. Right. But also, as you say, <clears throat> they can target uh, virtual audiences with similar likes, you know, buying tendencies in the parlance of the statute. Right. Uh, to say anybody who has, you know, recently liked. Uh, posts about this that or the other those people are likely to to be interested in buying product x right. um, and that's the that's the entire uh business model
1: yeah now that that kind of stuff like if i'm in a category i don't mind that as much as if I just remember in the olden days when there were Olden days, it wasn't that old long ago, but that where people, let's say, um, someone would be targeted because they had a child, right? And they kept getting targeted, and then that child died, and then they kept getting targeted. So uh, that kind of stuff um, is is probably even worse that, you know, when it was a specific person. Do you know what I mean? That's Yeah, it,
2: absolutely. And there is something in the new uh, statute, Prop 24, called sensitive personal information that's subject to even stricter standards. Right. For example, it can't be used other than to effectuate the business transaction for which the information was given in the first place. Right. And this could include racial information. There are some concerns that you know, big web providers have information about you, like what race you are, what your ethnicity is, right. and then there's a concern about using that kind of information to target you for ads, right. which seems somehow inappropriate to a lot of people.
3: Yeah.
2: But there, again, it's a very murky situation because, you know, if, uh, if an online provider or Facebook kind of deduces your race, based on the things that you like. Right. Have you have you shared that information with them or is this information that's been generated by Facebook? And sometimes it could theoretically be accidental. A person of a certain background might like videos that were created by people of that same uh, background.
1: Right. So right. no one
2: is actually saying we know this, we know that, but they can direct advertisers to people with those likes or dislikes. Um, But what you're really getting at is targeting as a practical matter, is targeting people of a specific race. So, you know, there's been some academic literature on that as well. But it's kind of unclear how this will ultimately play out. And um, that's one of the reasons uh, lots of us expect a lot of litigation on these very finer points.
1: Right, right. I think what scares me more is when the government has this stuff and, you know, we we had the Information Practices Act, and we've had other things to try and protect people. But unfortunately, the government can have access to all this other information that the commercial entities have, right? That's that's the yeah, scary part. the most part.
2: extreme example of that, and that kind of ties into what what we have in the article about recent European developments, yeah. is... You know, Edward Snowden back in 2013 made a number of statements that have not been denied or refuted. Right. That basically amount to the NSA, specifically the NSA, not other uh, parts of the government, uh, can basically look up anyone's information, see any email that that person has ever sent, every phone call, every photo, <clears throat> and in Edward Snowden's most recent book, uh, a permanent record he describes how an NSA uh, contractor can actually look in real time at all of your as if it 's like a movie, everything that you 've done on the internet ever yeah. it's all being stored forever in a giant sort of silo made up of hard drives out somewhere in the remote uh, midwest mm. and that was a very genesis for the two Schrems decisions that came out of the european court of justice so we spoke earlier about how in europe you have to opt in right. or the alternative is the european commission has given a business or a country rather an adequacy decision saying that country will protect your data as if you opted in or as good as as they could it's a little bit loose what is adequate and indeed the various regimes that, have been, that were in place between 2000 and 2020, they were based basically on giving notice that the information was being collected. There was an ombudsman mechanism more recently. Well, in 2020, in July, the European court threw all of that out. And the basic reason was nothing that a business can do, transferring data, could possibly protect that data from people at the NSA. Right from looking at it, right. So there is no such thing as an adequacy ruling, and there's no such thing an opt-in, opt-out is basically meaningless. If you take the data, say in this case that Facebook has in Ireland or another European country, and you transfer it to a hard drive uh, or a cache or the cloud in in the United States, that information is going to be subject to snooping basically, mm. by the government. So there's a lot of consternation, <clears throat> and there, there was a lot of consternation, and, 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 and is, by businesses after the Schrenz II ruling uh, earlier this year, which is, there's no way we can comply with European law.
1: Right, right. Oh, my goodness. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're lucky in some ways that the European Union has these more strict guidelines because this is something that people who are concerned about privacy in the legislature, they can point to that. To say why why are they having this and we're not, and that's kind of the impetus for these propositions too, is to guarantee that's us.
2: absolutely right. And if you read carefully the um, the English versions of the the various European decisions, Commission decisions, the directives, the articles, there are. There's a lot of language that is repeated almost verbatim in the CCPA and in Prop 24, specifically about giving conspicuous notice to consumers on websites, for example, conspicuous notice um, about the information that is shared and the reason why it's collected. So it's clear that the GDPR was used as a template, a partial template, yes. because as we said, the GDPR is more strict, <clears throat> but it's, um, we're sort of absorbing by osmosis some of the European uh, uh, principles, at least here in California
1: today. Well, we, are, that's a perfect way to end. We have so much, we got to have you back now because there's so much more to talk about, especially as we're going to be seeing uh, litigation going forward and what's going to be happening in this new year of 2021. So I just want to thank you uh, so much Darren Patrick. Uh, great great information. Just give your website and it's time for us to go.
2: Thank you so much. Uh, your listeners can can learn more about me and our firm on our firm's website, uh www.birdmorella.com.
1: All right. Okay. Let's let's definitely do more this year you know, really quickly this year. Yeah, all right?
2: we just scratched the surface and maybe we'll speak again.
1: We will. Okay, thank you. And Happy New Year as well. Okay, you. bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9, in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website, privacypiracy.org. Thank you.